Okay, I'm recording now. Okay. All right. So, so if anything you say is on the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Try to keep it under, like, not too long. Sure. In like a half hour and forty-five minutes. Cool. All right. This is the latest uh, issue of the Hello, My Name Is Fanzine podcast. I'm here with John Angelo. Hello. Who? Uh, <laughs> Who's done a number of things in the scene, bands, recording, all that good stuff. Um, I guess I'll start by asking you, John, how did you get into like hardcore punk? Um, there were some dudes in, I'm from Lockport, New York. Yeah. And uh, I had some friends in, uh, in high school who um, were kind enough to show me the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't always. You know, I, I when I was younger, I knew I wanted to listen to stuff that was like the I liked I really liked the like faster stuff, but mm-hmm. it was a while before like, you know, I started coming up and going to shows and everything. But um, there were some guys who you know hit me with their their Victory Records comps and stuff <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, my mom is like colleagues and friends with Larry Ransom's mom, and Larry and I have never met, but. Really? Like, she she mentioned to his mom that I liked you know punk rock or whatever, mm-hmm. and he like gave you know gave his mom some stuff to give to my own, gives me like like some like Snapcase stuff, and like <laughs> I got awesome. like I have a I have a ninety four Snapcase European Tour long sleeve yeah. that I've never worn, <laughs> that it's probably you know I mean I I cherish it I still carry it to this day but it's just like yeah here here give him this you know it was from Larry Larry gave it to you yeah that's awesome well, but like but like not directly like yeah. oh yeah here mom give your friend's kid this thing you know <laughs> so like I always thought that was cool yeah um and uh, I mean yeah a lot of it's around Snapcase I would have to say uh, coming up coming up to see Snapcase is one of my first shows and uh, yeah at Showplace what year would you say that was oh no. <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess 2000 and 2001. Yeah, I'm still in high school. Mm-hmm. So probably then. Yeah, driving up and you know, just with with friends, old like and like you know, or like the the older brother friends. You know, the like my mom's like, whose car is that? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're going to see bands. Um, but like, yeah. Um, so. That was it. Pretty much going to shows at Showplace, like, really is where it started for me. You know, the Showplace is opening again I this heard week. about that. Yeah, they have a show on Saturday. They do? Yeah. It's like a bunch of metal bands, like, um, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Have you heard of them? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, they were playing. So, uh, yeah, them and a bunch of other bands are, are going to bring back the Showplace. And Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam are playing there in two weeks. Who? Lisa Lisa. That's like that's like old. That's like they're like this they're like this like uh They're this New York like group like from like the late eighties that Lisa, I was Lisa. that I liked. Did but they, uh what what kind of stuff are they? Doing? Uh, I guess they would call it like freestyle. Um, okay. it's just like dancey music and stuff. They okay. they were big in New York. All right, like big, big in New York, back in the day. Okay, but uh, yeah, they're playing there with Stevie B, another, like I guess late eighties or early nineties, pop artist. So that should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, so the showplace. Um, That's cool that it's reopening. I, yeah. I'm super intrigued by that. I'm like gonna be here that night. I like, might yeah. have to suck it up and just go to that show. Unless you want to go see Burn in Rochester. Uh, that sounds like that would be pretty good, too. Yeah. That's what uh, I'm doing. Yeah. It was between Burn and wrestling for me. So and I'm going to go see Burn. Yeah. I love local wrestling. So. Oh, all right. Yeah, so. Is anybody that we know doing local wrestling? Like, is, I'm, like, Andy Williams is doing some sort of wrestling. Not right? here, though. He, like, does it, like, I know he's done it in Canada. Do you know Brian Barlow? I do know Brian Barlow. Yeah, he's a he's a wrestling manager. He's Brian yes. Deville. Brian Deville. <laughs> yes. And, and I worked with a dude at Lexington Co-op who is Frankie Feathers. Really, I love Frankie Feathers. Yeah, I've never seen him wrestle, but like that we, is we awesome. were like I, we were working together, and then we were like Facebook friends, and I start seeing all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, 
that is so cool. Yeah. And then, like, moved. Yeah, he's, he's kind of awesome. Yeah, I enjoy him. He does, like, a, uh, when he wins, he does, like, a Carlton dance in, in the middle of the ring. Just kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely awesome. One of my favorite local wrestlers. He's doing good stuff. Awesome. Remember when he started, and now he's, like, better. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing good stuff. It's cool. And Brian DeVille is awesome. Yeah. Best heel manager ever. <laughs> Always heel, too? Yeah, he's a heel. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe better than, like, uh, who's a good heel manager? He's right up there with Jimmy Jimmy Hart. <laughs> he's right up there with him. Damn. <laughs> he's that's... good. I, I enjoy him. He's, he's kind of awesome, but... That sounds awesome. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good time. I like wasn't able to go because I had weddings like all summer, so I wasn't able to really go. I went last month, but I think Burn is calling me to Rochester. Yeah, I heard that they got back together. I was I sort of got into hardcore and punk like after you know them. Yeah. After they were their thing. Farside hit me to him when I was living with Farside. I, I found out about a million bands. Yeah. Some of them really, really like grabbed me and I got really into and mm. some of them were just like just going so flying by so fast like <laughs> like they just like didn't happen to stick like yeah. but I mean that you know we lived on 740 Lafayette yeah. the house had like a thousand couches in it everybody had a huge room everybody's yeah. room was just like oh yeah spread out let's go put on some records and drink some lemonade or some tea and just hang out for three hours like that was a it was a great place to live. It was a great place to be. Did you, um, I know you guys, you recorded with Bill there. Yeah. Echo Base. But did, were you recording before you moved into there? Uh, not really. I had just moved back to the area. I went up to Toronto mm -hmm. and went to school for it and lived up to, in Toronto for like roughly a year yeah. to, to go to recording school. Came back. Was trying to get internships, like, all over the place. I mean, you know, there's not a lot going on in Buffalo, yeah. but I'm going to, like, radio stations and, like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what was it, Chameleon West, the recording yeah. studio, and, like, just, like, somebody just, like, let me just, you got all the toys, let me play with the toys, you don't have to pay me, <laughs> yeah. let me just come in and learn some stuff, you know. Yeah. I was trying to just get anything, couldn't get anything, mm -hmm. um, and was hanging out with Mike Usher one day, and he was like, hey, you know, like, there's a dude, you know, we don't exactly have a room open, but there's a dude we're trying to, like, kick out, because he's, like, never there. I don't even remember the dude's name. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but he's just like, so if you wanted to move in, we could, like, get <laughs> kick really him out. And I was like, that sounds like that could go a, a real sketchy direction, but all right, you know. <laughs> and it never did. Like, the dude just, like, showed up one day and, like, grabbed his stuff out of the basement and, like, yeah. came back. It was just, like, so, like, oh, yeah, he came back, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I moved in and I didn't really know Farside or, mm. or, you know, and I, and I didn't know Sweeper, but I, yeah. you know, I met them when I moved in and mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was me, Mike Usher, Farside Sweeper. I was the baby of the house. Um, and I had just like, you know, uh, you know, just gotten back pretty much from school. I was still looking for stuff to do. And like Farside had like just started working on stuff, yeah. you know, with Echo Base. So at first I was like. You know, I was sort of like, hey, so, you know, and he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I wore him down. I wore yeah. him down, you know, like he'd, he'd record bands that he just like wasn't really feeling. And I'd be like, let me mix it. I'll mix that. Yeah. Give me that. Let me, let me, let me do that, you know. So it was like sort of a rocky start, but then we got, we got, you know, we got to working together more often. Yeah. For those who don't know, um. Farside, Bill Wickham, used to run a pretty much a recording studio called Echo Bay Studios out of his uh, apartment house at 740 Lafayette Street in Buffalo. Yeah. And uh, he recorded a lot of bands. What, what, what time period was that, would you say? Uh, 2004, 5-ish. Yeah. To... 2008, 9-ish, I, I yeah. want to say, because that's when... Let's see, 2009. I moved out of that house in 2009. So, yeah, yeah for like a four or five year period, um, we were set up in the house. Then he moved out of, he moved into. Uh, he moved to um, what was Baines? That? No, that, uh, that, um, the studio. The studio, yeah. the studio moved. The, the studio moved up to, um, 
Main Street, the yeah. 1689 Main Street, like it's a practice space building. Yeah. And um, uh, I had been in there looking for a practice space for the band I was playing in. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, the guy who runs the place, Doug, is a total trip. Just, like, very, like, uh, I mean, super nice guy. Yeah. Can't can't fault him at all. But just from a whole other era yeah. of, like, of like music. Just very much, like, a burnt-out rocker dude. Doug, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I mean, you no offense. <laughs> but just, like, I'm, I mean, you know, nice enough guy. Kind of a dial tone. But, but you know, like that it is. So, anyways, he's and he's showing me through the place. And he's like, "Well, let me show you my office." And he opens up to what be, would eventually be like the control room of the studio. I'm like, "This looks like it was a recording studio." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, it used to be Rick James's studio, but you know, now it's just my office, and I like crash in here sometimes." I'm like, "Wait, back up, back up." So there's a. Re- can I see the rest of this? There's more. Like this is this is a recording studio. So he sort of shows me. It's like they had taken. There was like, so you were in, you had been in. Yeah, there. yeah. There was like a wall between the control room and the live room that he had built. There used to be two sets of heavy glass doors there, mm-hmm. and whoever was the last person to to own or occupy that space took the doors out with them, you know, and took a bunch of took yeah. a bunch of crap with them. Yeah, sort of took a little bit of the of what you know the they kind of gutted the place a little bit, but I'd say it was like eighty percent of the way there. It was like. Electrical sockets needed to be put in. There was, oddly enough, a little gas fireplace on the wall mm-hmm. at first. I was like, can you just get rid of that? That freaks me out. But, like, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, like, not a totally raw space. It was so much, like, almost there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went back and talked to Bill, and he came over and looked at it, and we were like, all right, if you can get this place, like, put back together for us, like, we will move our gear in and use it. Um, and he's like, yeah, no problem. And it was, I mean, honestly, what should have been like a two week job took six months, <laughs> you know, and then after, and we had already decided on like how we were going to price it out. And then, you know, of course he's all just like, whoa, whoa, I just spent a lot of time working real hard on this. And it's like, okay, but like before you did that, we said, we'll pay you X. And then, you know, after a year we'll pay, we'll go up to, you know, like we, we had already made all this out and he was just like immediately, you know, I guess Doug's not a great guy, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah he really wanted to get more money out of yeah. us um and not as per our, our agreement so i understand we were really only in there for like i want to say like a year i think it was like a year was that short yeah uh-huh. if i'm not if i'm not mistaken i really feel like it was only about a year maybe uh-huh. a little more but i don't think it was two years yeah and um <laughs> there was a, there was a leak we were on the third floor, and the roof was leaking in. And when he had closed the roof up, he knew about the leak. And his solution was to just take, like, six layers of, tr- like, heavy-duty trash bags and just, like, s- staple it to the ceiling to seal it, you know. Which, like, the f- as soon as, like, winter hit, and it was, like, a rainy winter, the ceiling started to, like, bulge down. Mm-hmm. And there was just this this like droop in the ceiling the ceiling had a gut hanging down and like at first we were like dude what's up with that and he's like i don't know what you're talking about it's always like that it's not always been like that no 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 it's fine it's fine and and one day like it you know it kept growing it kept growing and i don't remember if it was while i was complaining about it to doug or if it was while i was hanging out with farside complaining about it but i just had enough and i took a screwdriver and i stabbed it and it just started spraying water. It was I was with Farside because the Farside looks at me like, "Well, good going." Now there's water just pissing down from the ceiling, you know. So I had to like go out in the hall and like pull. They had one of these you know huge Rubbermaid trash cans and pull the garbage bag out of it yeah. and bring it in. Yeah. And now it's our water collection bucket, you know. Nice. So it was just like it was shit like that for a year, mm-hmm. all the while him trying to raise the price on us. Yeah. You know, I I was still very like, I don't care. I've got a recording studio. This is the coolest. And I think Bill was just sort of like, this is not the, it was over worth it. the trouble. Yeah, so. <laughs> Didn't you have a, wasn't there an arcade game? Yeah, yeah, I still have that. It's in my house down in Richmond right now. Oh, really? Was yeah. it Shinobi? It's Shinobi. That's probably, um, I don't know what the place is going to be called. My friend Gina just bought 
um, what used to be the club bar or whatever on Amherst Street over by over by Showplace. Mm -hmm. It was just this like little corner bar. Yeah. She just bought the building. She's gonna open a bar and restaurant there, and she's like trying to like get her hands on like pinball machines and stuff. So that's cool. I'm gonna I think for Christmas I'm gonna come up in just like a rented van, and I'm just gonna give her that thing. That's awesome. Because I've been, I've had it for. I've had it since I was seven years old. Really? Shinobi. Yeah, my dad went to Vegas um, on like a golf trip or some, you know, yeah. some dad shit when I was like seven and won a bunch of money in in Vegas and came home and just like bought me an arcade game for which <laughs> I was awesome. like forever. Like just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, and you I still love have it. it. It's awesome. awesome. I still have it. You know, the screen died on it. it. That thing's got its own story like that. I had it at my parents' house. I mm. moved out. They like, like sort of, you know, soft gave it to a friend of theirs, mm -hmm. like kid who was like younger, you know, yeah. who was coming up. But then like he outgrew it. So they like gave it back to them. Yeah. And around that time, like we were just getting that building and I was like, oh, this will be cool. So I brought that up from the folks house and yeah. like, um, put it up there. But then when that closed, I had like not thought about what I was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like about to turn the keys over and I'm like, oh wait, shit. So um, we, we hauled it out of there on like the last night I was in there and mm -hmm. took it down to Mohawk Place. And I was just like, Nick, I'm, you know, Nick O'Brien, who, who was managing Mohawk Place. And I was like, I'm, I'm bringing an arcade game down there and I'm putting it in Mohawk Place because I don't know what to do with it. So please don't be mad at me. It's on free play. Yeah. You know, and it, and I think it lasted like two weeks. The screen died. It got tagged all up. Oh, really? You know, and it just sat there empty and just, you know, it would, like, but people kept putting quarters into it. <laughs> so, like, when I finally got out of there, there was, like, it's just, it's, you know, arcade games are just, like, a hollow shell. And it was just quarters all in the bottom. It probably, like, you That's know, awesome. like, $20 in quarters that over time people had been putting in, <laughs> not realizing that, like, A, it's free play, B, it's just it's not going to work, you know, <laughs> and see the, the thing, the hatch wasn't even locked. You could literally just peel back the gaffer's tape and open the, the little door yeah. and just scoop out all the change that was just sitting on the thing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so. Which I hope somebody, did. I hope, I hope there was like, I hope there was like in my heart, there was like one old man who was like one of the day drinking crowd at Mohawk <laughs> place who just never told anybody but like, I know that if I go over there, I can just, I can get myself like, you know, two or three beers worth of quarters <laughs> out of the inside of that machine. You know, like I hope it did something for somebody. That I'm would sure be it enough. did. That would be. I'm enough. sure it did. Yeah. So then Mohawk Place closed, mm -hmm. and it was the same sort of frantic, like, like the the bar had been like closed, closed for like a couple weeks. I yeah. bumped into Nick O'Brien. Mm -hmm. He was like getting out of some other bars, like super late. He was like drunk. He's like, "When are you gonna get that machine out of Mohawk?" And I was like. <laughs> fuck how much time do i have he's like not a lot i'm like can we go right now so like uh i think of what i called i called uh tom lot moses you know from water torture mm. he had a big van i was like i need i need your van right now he came over and picked it up and and it sat in a house where i was living in buffalo like the last house i lived in, in buffalo it just it just sat in there like never got turned on you know just 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 taking up space i was living with a girlfriend she hated it she's like get rid of this thing <laughs> you know i moved down to richmond i still got no, nowhere to put it it doesn't work you know i mean it like it makes sounds but the screen doesn't work i'm like moving around with it down there i moved into a house this funniest part is like i i moved in with a couple friends of mine and i'm like they're like are you bringing that shinobi i'm like you know it <laughs> and they're like if you're bringing that in you got to get it fixed like yeah. if it's going to be sitting in here it can't just be like a dead video game <laughs> so i like found a guy to come fix it he mm -hmm. came and fixed it he like took my old tube and like had to find a re you know they don't make that shit anymore so you gotta find a guy who rebuilt one and yeah sold it on ebay or some shit and uh and it's 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 like my roommates have never touched it it doesn't make a difference that i got it fixed it's like so it's it works like, now it's good. it works it's good yeah so it's coming it's it's making its return to buffalo hopefully around christmas time and it's going to be at whatever that's the awesome. bar my friend gina opens whenever she opens it hopefully and 2017 that's pretty cool so um <laughs> yeah, sorry that was a <laughs> that was an awesome story <laughs> okay all right i hope that was half a halfway decent story about my stand-up shinobi <laughs> so you've been in a you've been in a few bands um mm -hmm. do you only play guitar mm. 
No, I play guitar and bass. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't played bass in a band since um, since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. But I just recently bought. Um, I sort of made like a major impulse buy and bought a 1975 Gibson Ripper bass. Nice. And um, I've. I. It's like I wanted one of those since I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. You know. And like they made them for eight years. Mm-hmm. So they're not very, like, common. You mm-hmm. don't see them hanging up yeah. in guitar stores and stuff. So it was just always one of those, like, oh, it's so cool. I just, you know, I don't, I don't even, you know. So I, I just kind of just splurged and bought one, and, and I have no remorse. I've been playing my ass off since the day it showed up in the mail. Nice. And, like, um, started playing with a friend down there. Who knows if it's going to, like, turn into anything, but, like, just to get together in a space and, like, turn up and play. Like, I haven't played in a band since I moved out of Buffalo. So the last band I played in was Human Touch. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while. And it yeah. felt nice to get in the room and, and make some noise. What um what other bands have you been in? Oh, shit. Yeah, quick quick list. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. Because, like, I don't know if I should. I don't, probably shouldn't go all the way back to high school. Well, well bands have, like, it. kind of done stuff, you know. Maybe yeah. okay. demo. At least well, a demo. All right. I mean... Like legitimately, the first band I was in that like we had we we recorded a couple things and we played some shows like you know we played a lot in, uh, so we were called Sixteen Wheels of Justice. Remember that band? We played, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's like that's like the first band I was in that ever did anything. We we played you know a lot in uh, Medina at Week's End mm-hmm. um, with like Fire in the State and 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 bands from out that way, mm-hmm. um, and you know recorded a couple. We, we had two. We had like a two like little EPs and played some shows in Custer and around and you were just sort of like still kind of learning yeah um, learning about you know punk and and other bands and mm-hmm. what, you know just sort of like weren't too serious but but and really enjoyed playing and took took like actually trying to like play well seriously so that mm-hmm. was nice yeah um, and that was like Johnny Two Hill was in that band who you know he's in a million bands now and, yeah definitely um, you know, I mean, that's he, at, at seventeen years old. Being in a band with him was awesome because, like, that it's like nice to have somebody who like pushes you as hard yeah. as you push them, kind of thing. So I feel like I owe a lot to him for for pushing me when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. So after that, um, played that band, and then also played in Suburban Circus um, around the same time. They we made friends with them, and then their guitar player like split to to pittsburgh to go to school like without giving them any forewarning so they're like hey like you know you guys are our friends you any of you guys want to play guitar so i initially joined up on guitar with them and then carl from 16 wheels joined also and then he later quit and then johnny Tuhill was playing guitar with them for for a little bit and like both bands would play this play shows together and it was like half the same guys for, mm. at one point yeah um and then that that all both those bands ended around the same time. Hmm. I did uh, one summer's worth of touring playing guitar for Kid Gorgeous. Really? Yep. Um, which was cool. It was 2003. I was 19 years old. I got to see, you know, the country. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know. Jesse says hi, by the way. Say hi to Jesse. Right. I, <laughs> I, I, I love Jesse. Like, like, that's, you know, I did not get along great with everybody in Kid Gorgeous. Actually, I got along pretty good with most of them. Um, and, you know, I didn't really get along with McCarthy too well, but, like, mm-hmm. that was so long ago, it's like, you know, yeah. whatever. Shout out to McCarthy. Like, yeah. you know, like, but but at 19 years old, I was probably, I was probably the the, the instigator, you know, the pain mm-hmm. in the ass. But anyways, but, like, Jesse Moscato was, like, a king, you know yeah. what I mean? It was just, <laughs> like, like, you know, I loved hearing stories about stuff, and he loved telling <laughs> stories about stuff, and it's, it's just awesome. He's yeah. a phenomenal drummer and just, like, a completely, like, unique character of a dude. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I I loved that I, like, got to, to spend a little time playing in that band with those guys. I, I learned mm-hmm. a hell of a lot from all of them. Yeah. And, um, and that was, yeah, that was, it was wild. And just, I mean, such a different time, 2003. Yes, <laughs> 13 years ago. Yeah. Um... Let's see. After that, so yeah, came back from that. Did um, 
got back with most of the dudes from 16 Mills of Justice and did a band called Canary in a Coal Mine mm. that just sounded like a like over caffeinated 16 Mills of Justice kind of <laughs> yeah. it was like a little noisier you know we, I, we had all just like like Gerald Thomas had burned us all like a copy of like all the hourglass stuff <laughs> and we were like fuck yeah like we thought that was like the coolest just like like you know just real noisy and you know yeah. that whole thing um you know, and, and it, it was it was cool to hear like you know, and just oh man, this older band that we never heard of. That's yeah. Like, you know, like, um, so we thought that was really cool. So we were just we were you know we didn't really know what we were doing. Still, I mean, I've I've never known what I'm doing. I'm just always like, this is fun to play. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, let's see. So there's Canary Coal Mine that didn't really last too too long, um, and then that's when I went up to. Um, to recording school in uh, Toronto that was around like 2004 mm-hmm. um, did that to 2005 came back moved in with um, with Farside what band was I doing I think I did a band the next band I did was um, I was playing with I see, I joined Rivalry oh did you yeah briefly mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't really remember like a ton about that but that's how I met Steve Lattimore mm-hmm. um yeah, so, like, and then, like, Rivalry broke up, and then Dave Starr was doing a band with these, like, Canadian dudes and asked me if I wanted to join that band. So, like, I joined, I don't remember what that band was called. I joined it. They, like, shortly after parted ways with Dave Starr and were like, so what's up with you? You want to keep being in a band? I was like, okay, I don't really know you guys at all, but all right. <laughs> um, so, like, did that thing for a little bit, but they they... They were like, they were like five, six years younger than me. They were like, I remember like, I was in my early twenties, and, and one of them was still a teenager, mm-hmm. and they were really into like shoplifting and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I'm crossing an international border <laughs> for this shit, and like, some yeah, somebody like tried to steal. Somebody like went and st- like stole a bass cabinet from another band like at a show, and and I had to like yell at them in front of everybody to go wow. put it back. So it was like. Yeah, so so that was dumb. And like, um, what was that band called? That band was called Like You. I I don't think we, maybe we maybe played in like the United States like twice, but we mm-hmm. played a bunch of shows in around Southern Ontario for yeah. for like half a year. We did like six or seven shows with the band Lords, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I thought they ruled. Um, so that was that was fun, but. Um, yeah, that was a that was a weird time. Um, <laughs> after that, I don't know, like I've just done like a bunch of yeah, you know, little stuff. I think after that it was uh, all right. I can remember this. <laughs> Shit. Uh, after that was into ruin, which was myself, Matt Goodrich, aka Phil Collins, and Steve Lattimore, who I met doing doing rivalry, mm-hmm. and then and then we stopped doing that and did. Vessel, which was myself and Steve, and Ian Weidrich and Tony Lorenzo, and then that band ended because you can't have three main guys from a band start a band together. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Human Touch. After yeah, after that band ended, I couldn't. I was still wanted to play, but I I was like shot. I couldn't write anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And Eric Ellen was just like. I got the right and covered. You want to come play in my band? I was like, hell yeah! <laughs> so, yeah. So that gets us. That gets us current. Cool. A bunch of, a bunch of crappy, little little younger bands, and then I finally made it into a band with Eric Elman. So, <laughs> it's great being in a band with Eric Elman. Let it me is, tell you, it is great being in a band with Eric Elman. <laughs> Have you heard Green Slime yet? Oh my god, I love Green Slime. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, he's. I remember like, seeing like super late at night before going to bed. He had like just sent me just like like a link to the band camp page like no description or whatever yeah. and I was like yeah I'm gonna look that up later and I like got up got up in the morning and, and like put it on mm-hmm. and was like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it awesome um, very cool yeah so um do you well at, well when you recorded the Black X stuff were you like did you have a studio at that time I know you were recording out of other studios and stuff I I don't really like yeah no I don't have a studio I, mm-hmm. I have like I have basically my a mix rig yeah. that wherever I live I try to find like the best place to set it up 
mm-hmm. um, which was like sometimes at the the dismay of whoever I live with, yeah. um, <laughs> you know. But I I, I I don't just like throw it in a corner and just like oh, fuck it, I'm set up. Like I actually try to. I put some thought into how I set up and make sure that everything is like good, like acoustically and whatnot. But I do pretty much um, do the mixing and mastering work I do is just out of wherever I live. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, I know that to say that makes me look less pro, but I I stand by my work. But um, I mean, I I enjoy our demo. (laughs) So it's all good. (laughs) But yeah, like. that before I moved out of Buffalo, I was doing, yeah, I was doing, like, some stuff at Hilo occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, had a little mobile rig that I would, yeah. you know, take take around to wherever. And um, did a couple recordings in uh, Biff's print shop, yeah. um, you know, with, with the mobile rig. It was, it was nice. I sort of, like, re- like, got to a point where I was like, all right, well, like, I can't cover the overhead of a studio, but like I have all this stuff. So mm-hmm. like, if the space is an issue, well, shit, we'll just you know we'll just figure that out. Yeah. So, and anytime a band hit me up, I'd be like, "What do you want to do? If you got a couple extra hundred bucks to throw down, we can go up to Hilo and like do it there, and it's chill and it's a real you know it, like, yeah. Well, I mean, whether or not you want to say like real studio or whatever, it's a space that's dedicated to yeah you know making a making a recording i i loved hilo i've yeah. i was heartbroken to hear that matt had to sell that place or well, it's whatever no, it's no longer a studio no uh man i don't know the the true specifics mm-hmm. I, the the house was oh man i hope i'm saying this right the house was matt smith's mother's house mm. she had she had moved out she was i'm not sure what her living situation was. I mean, she was like well and everything, but she was like living somewhere else. So he's living in the house mm-hmm. and like set up, you know, this this studio out in the in the barn there. Yeah. And then I think what it was was she just she decided to to sell okay. the house and property. Yeah. And so like he just had to. That sucks. You know, he just had to get out. So I think he's living in the city mm-hmm. now. It's been a while since I talked to him. I, last I spoke to him, which was definitely like well over a year ago, he was living in the city and he was trying to find. You know, trying to get set up, cool somewhere. But hopefully, I hope hopefully you did. So uh, you moved out of Buffalo. Um, that was to work for Guar. Yeah. Um, how did how did you how did that come about? Um, how did you get connected to Guar? I was uh, there was a there was like a three or four year period where I was doing live sound for Every Time I Die, mm-hmm. um, which um, uh, at one point. While I was working for them, mm-hmm. um, we went on tour supporting Guar for their six-week run, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the before the tour started, their tour manager called me up and said, "Hey, you know, it's, uh, their tour manager is this guy Eddie Ortel, and he's like this like legendary tour manager. Like he's mm-hmm. he's like he's got like magical tour manager powers. Like he can <laughs> he can make anything happen. I saw in Detroit a cop give him." his gun and he just like shot it into the air behind the venue like <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's just he's he's got magical powers i'm like super afraid to cross him ever but like he's awesome mm-hmm. so anyways so he calls me before the before the tour and is like hey i'm out on tour with another band i'm gonna miss the first four shows do you mind mixing guar on those shows i was like yeah that sounds awesome i would love to mix guar for four shows yeah so I'm, i mixed the first four shows uh, you know, I get a, you know, everybody, everybody seems to be happy with, with my work. Uh, he comes back on the tour, tour resumes, um, as normal. Uh, it was on this tour that Guar's lead guitar player, Corey Smoot passed away. Um, so long story short, two shows were canceled for the funeral. Uh, one of their texts was Corey's close friend and went home a couple days before those canceled dates to bring Corey's stuff, uh, home, um, to his wife. And I did this dude's job um, with them for t- for those two days, which is just like stand on stage, like run the, um, you know, run the, the the playback that gives everyone their like, you know, click. And there's like a keyboard that has all the like sounds on it, mm-hmm. and just like you know, hit the chainsaw sound at the right time, hit the mm-hmm. fart sound at the right time, you know. <laughs> so I did that for two shows, mm-hmm. and they like they tried to pay me for it, and I was like, no, just it's wasn't, yeah. it wasn't hard, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they were like, oh, this guy's cool. So after that, anytime that 
Eddie wasn't um, available or if it was like a short run or he's out with another, you know, somebody, they were calling me to, to come out and do their, do their sound. Yeah. So um, just like a few one-offs of that. Um, and then, um, and then they wound up with, uh, yeah. So like, so basically around that time I started, I started working less with every time I die and more with Guar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, wound up doing the full, you know, fall tour, doing sound for Guar. And um, after that, they were like, okay, so uh, this was when Dave Brocky was still alive. You know, he's, they were like, we want you to come to Richmond. We have a little studio we built. Um, Dave was like, I want to get in there every morning with you and just, you know, spit something out every day. Like, put down a two-line idea for a song. If that's it, that's it. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, but I had, I had been speaking to him about, you know, like, if you came in with, you know, an idea... And you want to try to just like get something down, like you know we can put in, you know we can just hook up a guitar or bass, we can I can program drums and we can get like an idea, put down like demoed out like mm-hmm. in a morning, you know it's it's not hard to do. Yeah. So that is kind of I was there to do, to just be available f- for stuff that they wanted to do like you know on the spot. And if bands wanted to come in to the studio and record, cool. You know, yeah. on the you know they they had they had had a couple bands come through there. It wasn't it, you know it was a very modest and small studio, but mm-hmm. like I think it was just cool that like they also have band practices like like right there in the slave pit. So there's there, it's like a little like strip mall storefront, almost like this. But mm-hmm. you just go in. It's a couple couple of the guys have offices up front. Then it's just like band practice spaces all down the right wall you walk back it's all their workspace out to the left all their like tables where they do all the like crazy like latex and you know <laughs> like foam and paint it and, and it's it's yeah. awesome i mean there's been so i mean there's just so much time where i've just been out in the shop just sitting there talking to one of the 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 art dudes matt or bob or scott like while they're just like you know painting like a big alien dick or you know <laughs> so and it's just like oh yeah you know just business as usual just paint this big alien dick you know? um so um but that's you know it's cool like there's 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 stuff going on there's musicians around there a lot there's yeah. bands practicing in there mm-hmm. so it was like i was there for you know i was there to do their stuff and i was there if you know somebody else wanted to get some studio time mm-hmm. um and I moved down in February 2014. We went and did um, Soundwave tour in Australia, mm-hmm. and then followed that with two dates in Japan. It was the first time Guar had ever been to Japan. Mm-hmm. Came back from that, um, and like two weeks later, Dave Brocky passed away. So it sort of changed. My role there kind of changed, because obviously, like, creative output kind of halted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole rest of 2014 and well into 2015, their focus was just dealing with the fallout of Dave's death. Like it's, all, I mean, it's all out there in the open now. But like Dave's father sued them. Um, that lasted, you know, a lot of time. You know, it's 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 a lot of shit happened. Uh, yeah, a lot of shit happened, and it's you know the dust still hasn't even really like. Why do you sue them? Oh man, so like. So Dave, Dave uh, is Canadian-born to Scottish parents, adopted by Irish American parents, mm-hmm. or maybe adopted by Irish Canadian parents who then moved to America. Some wild like that, right? Um, and I guess well, long story short, him and his father never got along. They didn't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, by the, when Dave died, they they probably had not spoken in you know over a decade. Mm-hmm. But Dave had some interesting friends, some crazy ladies in his life, and some some other nut job friends who went to his father and went, "Oh, there's all kinds of money. Uh-huh. There's there's all kinds of money. They're keeping it. They're trying to act like he didn't have any." He didn't have any money. He spent mm-hmm. all his money. He didn't save anything. Mm-hmm. And but, but, they didn't. They were trying to convince him otherwise because 
because if they can get, I don't know if I don't know what it was in it for them, mm-hmm. but it was like, you know, Suguar get Dave's cut. So, you know, they they didn't get to keep they they paid for his cremation. They don't didn't even get to keep you know a thimbleful of his ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not allowed to use his name or likeness. Guar is not allowed to. Guar is no longer allowed to use Dave Rocky's name or likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, but they retain, you know, rights to the character and everything. But yeah. they retired the character, so there's not really a whole lot to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and some other bullshit. Like I don't even know the whole scope of it. Yeah. But like it. So like they have meat. Like you know, there's 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 like twelve active people who are like day in day out doing Guar, mm-hmm. and then there's like all the like the legacy members, like, people who, you know, busted their ass for, like, nothing in the 90s are now, like, shareholders, you know, like, the people, like, they're, you know, they have sort of a say and they get sort of a cut, (laughs) but it's, like, you know, different, like, I don't know how they structure their business, but it's kind of like that. So, they do meetings, right? They do regular meetings about, there's, like, the Monday meeting is this, the Tuesday meeting is barbecue, the, you know, blah, blah, and... I pretty much moved down there. Dave passed away, and I'm just in like meetings every day with these dudes while they're just like worrying about like what they what they need to find a lawyer about and this and that and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, this was not what I mean. Like, and you know, no disrespect. To I love all those dudes, and I'm happy to to still be working with them and everything. But mm-hmm. like, and it's you know, not to sound you know fucking selfish. Like, I feel awful that Dave passed away, but it was like. I moved down there like with just like this is gonna be so fucking awesome, mm-hmm. and then, and then things just took a yeah. took a pretty harsh left turn, yeah. and uh, and yeah, and then it's just like, you know, like no no music is being written or, or created, and mm-hmm. tours are getting canceled, and uh, you know they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do as far as like whether they're gonna add a new member and stuff. This was before Mike Bishop kind of came back into the fold to and said, you know, I, I'll be the new singer. Because he was the original bass player, he was the original Beefcake the Mighty. Mm-hmm. So now he's back as the new, like, lead singer. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, that took some time and hammering out and getting him, you know, used to that. But, like, I think the live show is still great. It's it's different, you know. that's mm-hmm. you, get, you get a lot of that online. Like, you're like, oh, it's not Guar without Dave anymore. But, like, yeah. he said himself he didn't want to do it forever, and he was gearing up to retire after the 30th anniversary tour hmm. which was the year after he died oh, i see so he would have been by now he would have retired anyways he probably still would have like yeah dressed up and done like promotional stuff but he was getting sick of touring and he didn't mm-hmm. anymore so um but yeah so that's <laughs> that's i guess sort of a long story too but uh that's how i came to be in richmond virginia working for guar is just basically touring with them and they said hey you want to come to yeah. the studio and i said you know why would I say no to this? <laughs> you know. So as of so, what do you so do you still do you still te- technically work for Guar? Well, I mean, I do I do some work for them. I'm not fu- yeah. I was full time with them. Like I moved down there with a with like a contract to like a full time yeah deal, and that's that that was for a year, and that ended, and and I was like I could see that like they didn't really need me to be around there. I was like I c- I can read the writing on the wall. Yeah. I'm going to just, you guys call me when you need me. Mm-hmm. And I went and started working for a company called Backstage. That's like a professional sound and lighting company. So mm-hmm. it's like everything from big outdoor PAs to like you can come and rent like two powered speakers for your frat party. Yeah. And like, you know, like there's a storefront and a warehouse and, you know, the whole everything in between. So, um, and I, I like, I'm stoked to be there. Like everybody I work with is cool and we have a good time. And so that's what you're doing now? Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm I'm working for them. I'm doing a lot of doing a lot of outdoor gigs and country shows and <laughs> stuff like that. But it's it's still it's still fun, you know. I I I still enjoy doing what I do. It's 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 definitely uh it's different, but yeah, I like the work, you know. I, cool. Yeah. So you see yourself staying in Richmond for a while? Um. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I was I was at one point looking to looking to move to California. Um, I I 
as much as I like doing live audio, I kind of don't want to like destroy my hearing for for country music. <laughs> so like, you know, I wouldn't mind getting back into doing studio stuff. And yeah. I, I have, I do have some friends who are doing like film and stuff like that out in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and kind of want to see if I can get get into doing that like like audio for for film. Um, Eric Baccio, who sang for Kid Gorgeous, and uh, and Luke. Um, I, I tr- truthfully, I don't know how to pronounce Luke's last name, but I want to <laughs> say like Aline. Yeah, Al- Aline. Something like something that. like that. <laughs> like they've been out there for years. Bokes is doing his thing. Like you know, he's 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 you know, video camera director man a number one. Like mm-hmm. he gets tons of work and like does awesome, great looking stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke is working as well. They've been doing like they they produce their own comedy sketches together under the name yeah. Weird Fellas. Yeah. So I was like, hey, you know, I want I'd like to get out there and do some of this stuff. Give me something to practice on. So now all the Weird Fellas stuff, like I do the sound design and sound cool. effects and clean up the dialogue audio and cool. just the stuff I would be doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing it for them as like just to sort of gear up. Yeah. Um, I was gonna I was gonna move out. I was gonna try to be moved out there um, early to 2017. But had sort of a freak accident back in August. Um, oh, I remember what happened. <laughs> oh my god! So I've told this story a million times. It's the most embarrassing thing ever. But like, uh, long story short, um, I was in my backyard grilling with my roommate, and uh, I was running away from. We were both running away from a cicada, um, a dog day cicada, which is like they're like shiny green. They've they're like they're about the size of a say like a brazil nut you know mm-hmm. a good size nut and they've they when they fly the wings make this like clicking noise like it's not even a buzzing it's like yeah. it's just the worst it's like and it's like a chicken with its head cut off it just fly you know it's it's, it's the i fucking hate these things so <laughs> and and so literally it was just like ah fuck it's you know buzzing around our head yeah. try to run in the house roommate runs in front of me he doesn't know i'm running behind him he shuts the door behind him i got my hand out in front of me like a little glass window pane on the door my hand goes right through it. I go around the other direction. I look down, and it's like a samurai movie, like just spraying out of my arms. Like, oh. like I was like immediately like, and I'm super grossed out and terrified by blood. Yeah. And it like in other situations of less blood, I've just like gone weak and like fainted. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, I was like, oh, this is serious. Hey, hey, call nine one. Like I just grabbed it and was like, all right, I need an ambulance. Yeah. This is fucked up. I need to go to the hospital right yeah. now. You know, and. uh yeah, so <laughs> had had a had a pretty intense night in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Had to have a couple surgeries and a blood transfusion. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy. The thing, it's like it's like if you if I showed you my arm right now, it's just like a little pink line, like right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it looks like no big deal, but it went four centimeters deep. They were like f- amazed that it didn't. I didn't cut any of the tendons mm-hmm. or major nerves. Like I had a major artery, but. You know, they it took two surgeries to close that up, but like wow. they were super, super worried. They kept coming back like every fifteen minutes and being like, like uh, anybody listening is like, you know, like touching my fingertips to my thumb. They're like, do this, you know what I mean? Like, just keep show us that again. Really, you can do that? Okay, and then they like touch spots in my hand. Like, don't look. Like, where am I touching my hand? I'd be like, my middle knuckle on my pinky or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and they'd be like, really, you can feel that? And I'm like. Yeah, should I not be able to feel that? Is is something like fucked up? And they're like, dude, you got that really deep. And I'm like, Fuck, I didn't even feel it. I didn't even feel the glass yeah. touch my arm. Like I felt my hand slap the glass and then like go through it, and that's all I felt. Really? So that's literally all I felt. So, you know, just just bizarre. But you're fully recovered now. Yeah, everything's fine. Like everything works. I can the feelings there. The use of my hands is there. Yeah. Um, I have a little spot, like, on the inside of my wrist between the cut and, like, my wrist line that's, mm. like, 20% numb. Mm-hmm. Like, not even fully numb. Just, like, a little, you know, yeah. a little nerve damage. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And that that's that's also partially why I just said fuck it and bought a base. I was like, I kind of just could have <laughs> lost use of my right hand yeah. on some dumb running away from a bug shit. Um, I'm... I'm I'm gonna use my hands. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna like really like do something to appreciate the fact that I can still, can still do it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. I remember hearing about there or you writing about it or something. Like, yeah, I just I got I got home from the hospital and was just like, all right, 
I don't want to make some big deal out of this, like, or whatever. But, like, I just made a little post out of it. Yeah. And, like, people were, everyone was just like, holy shit, I'm glad you're okay. And I'm just like, all right, okay, 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 all right, all right. You know, but then, like, it was, it didn't really sink in until, like, like, so while I'm in the hospital, they're like, who's your emergency contact? Who should we call? And I'm like, I, my family's all up in New York State. Like, you know, the, like, you could call my roommate, but he's the one that called 911. So, like, you know, there's really nobody to call. Like, yeah. it's late. Don't call my boss or anything, you know. Um, <laughs> and and so, like, and, and they were like, you don't want us to just call your family? And I'm like, hell no. Like, it's it's 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. If, my, if you call my father right now, he'll get in the car and he'll drive through the night down to Richmond, Virginia for no reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just to, just to like, for what, I, you know, for what I don't know. But he would have. I know he would have. Because yeah. when I got home, I called him and I was like, all right, sit down. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I spent the night in the hospital last night. And he's like, what happened? I'm like, so basically I accidentally put my hand through a window and, like, bled so bad that I had to have a blood transfusion and, like, two surgeries and, like, a whole bunch of other shit. And he's like, fuck, how much is this going to cost? And I was like, I don't know, a lot. We'll figure it out. So, you know, know, that's, yeah. So. Are you still paying for it? Oh, I'm going to be, I'm literally going to be paying for it for the rest of my life. Wow. Because, like, I don't have insurance. Mm -hmm. So instead of it being, like, Oh, you hit your yearly maximum, and it's only going to cost you seven thousand dollars or some shit. It's just like, hey, so we discounted it twenty five percent for you because you don't yeah. have insurance, but that just took it from thirty nine to twenty eight thousand. <laughs> so you know, just let us know like when how you know, let us know uh, <laughs> when you need to know where to send a check. And it's like, so I call and I was just like, what can we do here? And they're just like, you can call you know for financial aid if you don't you know if, mm-hmm. if you're not making. Are you unemployed? And I was like, No, I'm I'm employed. Yeah. And like, do you make less than blah blah blah? And I was like, No, I don't make less than blah blah blah. <laughs> and and they're like, Well, <laughs> and I'm like, All right, well, here's the deal. I'm just gonna, you know, basically what I found out is, and I, oh god, I hope this is true, that they can't send it to collections as long as you pay them something every month. Yeah. So I'm gonna send them something every month, and it's not gonna be a lot. Yeah. And um, just trying to keep that bill out of collections. <laughs> There you go. So, you know, pretty much. So, so it's you know, I'm just gonna be paying them little, little, little <laughs> payments forever. Maybe eventually it'll. Yeah, I'll just stop. I'll stop paying them once I like buy a house. Yeah. Like, all right. I don't. I don't need good credit anymore. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> all right. Anyway, I think we're gonna. I, I think on that note, we're gonna end this here. <laughs> all right. Well, it was good talking to you. Sorry yeah. I rambled so much. No, it was awesome, actually. <laughs> um, thank to, thanks to John for coming to talk to me. This is pretty late here. It's like 1 in the morning. Yeah, just so, showing a Delaware camera. Yeah, you know, it's how we do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again, and uh, good luck in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. All right.